It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Oh, we have survived two weeks of the college football campaign, and we are still going strong, headed into week three. Welcome, everybody. Installment number 211, if you're scoring at home, it is JC and Morgan, and we thank you for stopping by either live or eventually uh, streaming on one of the many platforms that we now have for you, video, audio, you name it, from our YouTube channel to Facebook to Twitter to Spotify, to iTunes, to Google Play, and everything else. We usually do this Tuesday mornings. Uh, last week we did Thursday, but we'll, st- we'll try and stick to a rather uh, regular time. And every now and then we just we feel like the need to do two of these in a given week. You just never know where we're headed. Uh, he is J.C. Sherbert from a studio somewhere between Chicago and South Carolina. Where is it this week, J.C.? It's uh, Chicago still. I had, uh, I think, some divine intervention last week because there were thunderstorms. I was supposed to go back to South Carolina Friday. Uh, Thunderstorms, bad weather, wrecks on the interstate, um, uh, and I lost my wallet. Crazy thing. Worst feeling in the world. What now? Went to the store. Very innocuous uh, trip wasn't uh, wasn't living it up. Would like to say I was at a wild party and it got went missing, but uh, lost the wallet and so I had to stay here for another week and get uh, things like driver's licenses and credit cards <laughs> sent to me because my address obviously is here. Uh, but uh, enjoyed the weekend. Uh, other than the Bears uh, watch party I went to Sunday that sucked, but uh, mm. other than that, uh, very nice weekend. Uh, was, uh, beautiful weather. Here in Illinois, 71 degrees, sunny, nice breeze blowing off Lake Michigan. It's one of those handful of days in this area where you go, hey, it's not that bad. So uh, nice, uh, nice weekend. But in Chicago, one more week, and it'll be South uh, South Carolina for the next three. So uh, looking forward to talking a little ball today. It was a weird, weird weekend, I thought, of college football. Yeah, it was. We we got a lots to get to. But by the way, I was a little disappointed in that story. It, the the old JC uh, lose the wallet story. That would have been a Frank the Tank type of story, where it, it feels so good just touching my lips. All right, I'll have one more. I'll have one more. Uh, that th- those days are done though. Th- that Frank the Tank JC is gone. You know, you're on the verge of a marriage, and uh, you know now you're going to Bed Bath and Beyond and and picking out china patterns. I don't know if I'll have the time. I don't know if you'll have the time in a little Olive Garden. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't going streaking through the quad and past the gymnasium. (laughs) That's disappointing. And then you get in the car. Hey, I wonder if KFC still open. That's a great one. Is KFC still open? Oh. Uh, old school is a dimer, and, and and Will Ferrell makes that movie. But like a lot of Will Ferrell movies, uh, Anchorman would be another one. It's like an hour of just laugh after laugh after laugh, and then the plot gets in the way. And they, like most comedies, they don't know how to end them. So the yeah. final the final half hour is just lame. I, the final half hour to me of old school and Anchorman, it's like okay, huge bathroom break time, or just flip it to something else. Watch um. 
watch Casino for the 127th yeah, time. This is little vignettes, and then it, uh, it ends up, there's like, well, how do we how do we wrap this? How do we wrap it? We have and no idea. And that's the thing about comedies. They just don't know how to and, wrap them up. Unlike The Hangover, you you don't you, you, you wasted the Dan Band at the beginning of Old School, right? Yeah, that's right. That's and and right. so unlike The Hangover, where you, oh, at least you get to watch the Dan Band, you know, at the end, it's uh, – it's, yeah, I'm with you on old school, man. I, I was like, man, I thought it was one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, and then it just died. Just died. It just, just died. <laughs> Jeremy, yeah. Regardless of Jeremy Piven, Vince Vaughn, Will Ferrell, I mean, it's mm-hmm. a heck of a uh, – Luke Wilson, it's a heck of a cast. Heck, heck, heck of a cast. No, no doubt about that. Uh, again, it is J.C. and Morgan. You can check out the website, jcandmorgan.com. You can uh, email us. You can hit us up via email. We'll read your emails. We'll get to, to that in the mailbag segment. We'll have the JC5 momentarily. We'll go around the SCC and we'll tell you who was the boss of week number two in college football. We're broadcasting uh, in two different cities, but we are broadcasting technically from the Elite Roofing and Restoration Studios. Um, there was a time we used to open this up every week, JC, with uh, there's nothing we love better than college football and Pepper crusted bacon. I can't find pepper crusted bacon anymore. I go to Kroger. I go to Publix. It does not exist. Tell me why. I know we're in tough economic times. Uh, maybe the cost of pepper, or, or they couldn't find anybody uh, to take the job to, to put the pepper on the bacon. I'm sure that could be a kind of tedious process. But uh, there's no more pepper crusted bacon. So I'm 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 riding high on regular bacon this morning. But but not pepper crusted bacon. Kind of sad. That is sad. Uh, I, last time, I guess, gosh, you're right. Last time I had pepper crusted bacon was like, I think 2019. I was at uh, Nat, and I went to the uh, wine and uh, wine and food, wine and cheese festival, whatever it's called at Epcot. Uh, we we took an adult trip to Disney. You know, alcohol was obviously involved and stuff, and just kind of hung at Epcot, drank around the world or whatever. And she got this Bloody Mary. She loves Bloody Marys with all the all with all the stuff is in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like one time she had one with a crab claw. It was weird. One, one time she got one with a club sandwich. It was a, That's a little odd. Uh, That's a little uh, yeah, but she she digs it. You know, it's like a meal in a glass and a really good pepper crusted bacon and that thing. But I can't remember it since. So you yeah. Go, you Somebody go find if anybody out there listening. Uh, if there's a supermarket that actually does carry it anymore, please. Uh, let me know, and I'd love to check it out. Um, switching gears to what happened on the field, there's a game that clearly stole the show, and, and that was Texas-Alabama. And it lived up to the hype. It was two teams that clearly, I mean, again, much like watching LSU-Florida State, you and I have seen enough games and, and have, you know, by by virtue of our jobs – uh, sometimes this is not as fun as people think it is. When you're actually watching a game, not as a fan, but you're actually kind of studying the game, it can actually be annoying <laughs> because sometimes you just want to watch the game and not have to be so analytical. But when you watch those type of teams go against each other, the total athlete quotient, right, the AQ as I like to call it, you just, you just, there's a difference. There's a difference between that and like the other 95% of the games that are on throughout the season. And I know for a lot of Alabama fans, so much of what happened Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium was about what Alabama did wrong. And is this the sign of 
Alabama's Nick Saban dynasty is is it going south? And and Milrow is clearly not Bryce Young, which I have felt that way for a while, which is why I felt pretty good about Texas in this game. It wasn't based on anything else other than quarterback. Uh, I was willing to, to to gamble on Quinn Ewers more than I was Jalen Milrow. And Milrow didn't play terribly. In fact, he made some really good plays. But he had two soul-crushing interceptions, missed a few reads, and again, he just doesn't have that Bryce Young factor. If Bryce Young plays that game, I have no doubt Alabama wins it. Um, but but he's gone, and you had to find a replacement. And Milrow is, at the time, somewhat limited. Doesn't mean he's bad. And the other thing is, you kept hearing about Alabama's got three offensive linemen in the starting lineup that are 350 pounds plus. Well, guess what? They got dominated. And I'll tell you who made a lot of money on that Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. Quinn Ewers, who I already mentioned, 349, three touchdowns. And, and three of those passes were down the field, deep down the field, for 115 yards and two touchdowns. So they weren't just like dinking and dunking. Uh, Alabama really doesn't allow you to do that. Jatavion Sanders, a 6'4", 245-pound tight end, he made a lot of money. He's probably the second-ranked tight end now on the board, at the draft board, behind one Brock Bowers. And Devondre Sweat. Devondre Sweat dominated. And we're not used to seeing Alabama get dominated on the line of scrimmage. They couldn't block him. So he made a lot of money. He was like a top 100 recruit, go, uh, I say recruit, a draft guy coming in. He made a lot of money. The thing that stood out if you watch that game intently is that the line of scrimmage, Texas was better. Wide receivers, Texas was better. Tight end, I just mentioned, Texas was better. Quarterback, Texas was better. We're not used to saying, even when Alabama loses a game, it's rarely because their their opponent is better in that many phases. But I'm telling you right now, and, and what I from people that I trust that I talk to or just kind of read a, a, about Texas a little bit more and doing a deep dive on them, they were not going to lose this game based on athleticism. They have recruited well, JC, as you know. They have uh, talent. Uh, for whatever reason, they have underachieved for a long, long time. That predates Steve Sarkeesian, certainly. Uh, but this was the game where it all came together. And maybe this is the season where it all came comes together. Uh, but again, I would just say this in in kind of putting a period on the sentence, this was less about what Alabama did wrong and more about what Texas did right. I'm not saying Texas is back, and kudos to Quinn Ewers for not taking the bait on that post-game interview when that question was posed. Uh, don't be silly. Don't go down that road. <laughs> you win nothing by saying that in week two. But Texas clearly is, has already shown they belong in the SEC, and they will not have to be doing, taking second fiddle from a talent standpoint in the Southeastern Conference from the moment they walk in the door in 2024. Yeah, boy, uh, it was pretty obvious they were talented. I don't think I've seen an Alabama team that was deficient compared to their opponents in that many categories, like you just pointed out, Mike. So that's – uh yeah, Alabama's lost some games. They, they they lost to Georgia in the championship game two years ago, largely because their entire receiving corps got gutted by injuries. And uh, 
their young players just weren't ready to go. Uh, and a lot of them still are. Um, you know, but in that many categories, like you just pointed out, my goodness. And uh, Texas does. They recruit in the top five every single year. Uh, they're sitting in, you know, one of the best states for high school football. There's no reason why they should not be good. I think I think their issues have been largely in, intangible, culture-related. And, um, you know, Saturday night, uh, they went out and did what they could, you know, what they're capable of doing. So uh, it's pretty good. I got Moral Texas here in the in the JC five later, but that's uh, that's uh, it, it was it was surprising from that matchup standpoint. I also thought, you know, had Milro and to put a bow on Alabama, Milro won the job. I was surprised he struggled throwing it like he did because I thought surely if he won the job, that they they either would not ask him to throw like that and would have a plan, or he had improved. But he kind of looked like the same guy that we saw uh, against uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas, uh, to a certain extent uh, last season, uh, with only some slight improvements. So I. An Alabama passing game, it's a, it's going to be a work in progress. It's going to be a work in progress. I mean, and look, Alabama's really talented everywhere else. Uh, although I still – jury's out on their receiving core. I, I thought a, a year older and more mature, maybe they'd be a bigger factor. Uh, but their offensive line's going to be fine. Their defense is, is still stout. They just got beat by – like Quinn Ewer's going to be a first-round draft pick. I, I don't know – I know he's been inconsistent. He lost a lot of weight. He stopped eating Chick-fil-A, which I cannot stand by that. I don't support that, encourage that, and I sure as heck am never going to live that life. But uh, he did because he realized he needed the – so he's like lean now. He moves better. He looks better. Um, he might be the third quarterback off the board. I talked about the tight end, the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a really talented team that now has a – I mean, they should win the Big 12. They should be in contention for the playoff, but you know Texas might still be Texas and stub their toe in a game they simply should not. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, did they, they not get blown out by Oklahoma State last year? I mean, they had some disappointing losses uh, last season with a lot of the same guys you saw just beat Alabama. Uh, so we'll get to that. I already see an email in the, in the mailbox about the SEC. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> we talked about it last week. The SEC went 0-3 last week against top 25 opponents, lost by an average of 16 points per game. Uh, this was between this game and the A&M loss at Miami. This was not a great, not a great week for the SEC. There's some other when we go around the SEC, we'll go over it. Other teams that that beat up on lesser opponents, but even they did not blow them out the way they should. Uh, I think you can safely say. This is not your typical depth of the of the conference. Georgia's still Georgia, uh, and I still wouldn't want to play Bama or LSU. But after that, I don't really know anybody that scares me. Tennessee, we'll, we'll see what ten, Tennessee should beat Florida. We'll see how they do. Um, I, I, the, the jury is still out for me on Joe Milton, but we'll we'll find out in due time. All right. With all that being said. The morale of a great nation, as always, hinges on the JC five. JC, let's get into it. Gladly, gladly, gladly. Always glad to get into the JC5. Uh, it is uh, very important to our country. I realize that. <laughs> um, so here we go. Uh, Texas is man enough. Now, I talked about this all week last week, and I guaranteed victory for Alabama two months ago. 
Guaranteed it. Uh, and I was a lot like Pat Dye in 2002 uh, when Mark Rick took Georgia to Alabama. Pat Dye gets on five bottom. He says, Georgia's not man enough to go in there and win that game. Well, I didn't think Texas was man enough to go in there and win that game. I stand corrected. I have gotten emails from Longhorn fans this week that listen to this show. And the mm-hmm. other show, amazingly enough, mm-hmm. a guy a guy just likes the game. His son goes to South Carolina, so he keeps up with the Gamecocks. But he's a hardcore Texas fan. He just likes our show because we're wonderful, charming people. Uh, That's including obvious. yourself, Mike, when you're on it. Thank you. Uh, twice okay. a week now, by the way. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's amazing. And he's like, hey, can you quit talking about Texas being soft? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I am not sorry because – I think if you look at that program and sort of every year they, they're loaded and every year they, they go and lose to K-State or TCU or Oklahoma State, you name it, Texas Tech last year beat them. Uh, you know, you kind of wonder like what's, what's in that, what's in their collective heads. Um, and I, look, I, I think Texas is awfully good, awfully talented. This game is going to catapult them, I believe, but watch out. They play, I, I, I don't think they were intimidated by Alabama whatsoever because no. how they play how they played them last year. Last year still was eight and five. You know they came within a point of beating them. Um, and a coach told me it was a coach at South Carolina back in '09. The Gamecocks went to Tuscaloosa, that great team with Mark Ingram that won the national title, had them within thirteen six late, uh, and then Ingram got in the Wildcat and they beat them twenty to six. Uh, it was a tough game, and, and over the summer, that coach South Carolina said, well, our kids aren't intimidated by Bama because they played them tough last year. Sure enough, the Gamecocks won that game. Alabama didn't play all that well. Same scenario here. You know, Texas probably gained some confidence by hanging in with them last year when they weren't expected to out in Austin, and they've had this game circled, and Alabama has some deficiencies. And so, uh, But don't, you know, every every week's different. You know, the transient property in college football doesn't work. But I I do think, though, I'm going to stop calling Texas soft uh, for now and uh, and uh, take it all back. I think they've got a really good cha- – I think they've got a championship-level football program – or football team program. They've always been championship-level program-wise. But team-wise, I think they got championship-level level team this year. I, I, I was happy for Steve Sarkeesian. Um I, I did a deep dive. I, I, like, I know a lot of the story, but then I had to go back and review it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I almost forgot about that. And Oh, that's right. Um, but you, you look at his road to Austin. Uh, he didn't do a bad job as a head coach of Washington at all, but had alcohol issues. So he gets whacked. He has to go through the Nick Saban uh, spin cycle of – uh, reputation rehab that everybody does. Uh, first, I believe, as an analyst, then as the coordinator. Then he goes to the Falcons. And a lot of people say, well, you know, when he went to Atlanta, there was a clear uh, uh, drop-off from what they had before. I, I don't think that was Sarkeesian's fault. The Falcons were going to be in pretty bad shape regardless. Now, they happened to lose a really good coordinator who's now one of the best coaches in the NFL in San Francisco. Um, but he didn't do a terrible job. So then Sarkeesian, again, has, goes back to college and then eventually gets the Texas job. And that, if you remember when that hire was made, it was kind of like, eh. Like I, didn't, I didn't sense that Texas fans were having a parade 
uh, in Austin about that hire. And it, it didn't exactly like get off to a rip-roaring start, but Texas hasn't had a rip-roaring season in forever. But Sarkeesian, I, I, I think that can actually work. I think this might actually be a good fit for both school and coach. We'll see over time. Jury's still out, but uh, it was – I think that he's learned a lot from his mistakes. He's learned a lot from some of the things on and off the field that have not gone right. And uh, maybe he's the right man for the job. All right, so number one, Texas is man enough. Yes, I will concur. Texas definitely is man enough. Number two. Can Tennessee end its swamp misery? I'll never forget 2017 champions of life who ended up losing every SEC game that year, by the way, had a beat. He's about to way, get fired again. Yeah, by the way, champions of life, not so stellar. 73 nothing against Oklahoma, though. But, yeah, uh, he's... Ah, poor guy. Uh, and he went, <laughs> through the same, guy. he went through the same in rehab and got worse, right? But uh, I, I remember they had a beat in Felipe Franks, of all people. Mm-hmm. I know that's your favorite quarterback, Mike. <laughs> uh, jumps out there and fires a rope. I mean, it's 20 to 15. Best throw of his life. I think. Best throw of his life. With time running out. Yes. And they catch it. That's a touchdown. It's it almost like that Tennessee <laughs> went over Georgia where Josh Dobbs uh, made that good throw and Jennings called it after Eason, whatever. You know what happened in 2016. It's been misery after – even last year, as good as Tennessee was and as average as Florida was, you know, it's a five-point ball game. They struggle with orange and blue. They've had – they have for a while. Will they snap it this weekend? Uh, Tennessee's a seven-point favorite, and I think that's right where the spread should be. I, uh, you know, it's on the road, it's in the swamp, and you will you will get Billy Napier in Florida's best shot. I'm confident of that. Uh, they were a train wreck in Week One against Utah. This past week, they, you know, again they beat up on basically a mid-major. I don't know what you learn sometimes in those games, other than a much-needed confidence boost and maybe to clean some things up. They certainly had plenty to clean. I, I think this has a chance to be a competitive game. And, again, I, I need to really know more about Joe Milton. We're going to find out more about Joe. We're going to find out two things. We're going to find out more about Joe Milton because I don't believe Tennessee is just going to run all over Florida and gash him and ground and pound and not have to have Joe Milton make some plays. Uh, and then we're going to learn what is Florida. Uh, we, we know what they weren't against Utah. They were not a particularly disciplined and sharp football team, and lost to Utah in a game that, quite frankly, wasn't that close. What what are they going to be this week against Tennessee? Um, I think we're going to learn quite a bit uh, about both of them. But yeah, can, you're, you're to pose your to answer your the question you pose, can UT end uh, the swamp misery? Sure, they can. They're they're the better team. I don't think anybody's going to argue that they're, they are the better football team going in. Uh, so we will find out. But, yeah, I think the, 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 the line is right where it should be. Tennessee on the road, hostile environment, a touchdown favorite. I think it's up to Joe Milton. I think, uh, you know, Florida's got to win this one a little ugly. You know, they got to run, establish the run game, keep Tennessee off the field. People talk about that. That's easier said than done. Last year, LSU tried to do it at home. That's right. waxed. That's right. Because if, you, if you're not – uh, I almost think it's better to just match unless you got a defense like Georgia did last year. It's better to just match their scores. Um, 
But, uh, you know, so I don't, I, I don't know. Florida, Florida's going to have to, it, Joe Milton's going to have to decide, Joe Milton's performance will decide this game, Mike. I, I think if he misfires, 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 that definitely gives a ball control team like Florida a chance. If he's on at all, though, and Tennessee's able to run it, Florida can't mm-hmm. stop him, they definitely will snap the streak. Mike, the Colorado coaching staff is very good. Uh, I, you know, I, I watched a lot of their game. They made great adjustments against Nebraska, especially offensively. Um, Shadur Sanders played well. Uh, I think one thing we can say about Deion Sanders is he did hire good coaches. Of all the talk of the portal players and all that good stuff, that's a well-coached football team in my eyes. Uh, no question. I mean, we talked about Sean Lewis uh, last week. He was part of the boss segment. And they are, again, first off, look, Nebraska, uh, as you've documented many times, their OC is not good. Um, but they don't have athletes. My goodness. I, I mean, I'm watching that. And, and the Sims kid is a transfer from from Tech. And, I mean, he can't time the snap properly. They have problems just not snapping the ball into the motion man. and it's Just ugly, ugly stuff. But, the, again, the other thing that stood out is just where, where has Nebraska been recruiting? Like, it, they they got a ways to go. That That's not a Matt Rule X's and O's problem right now as much as it is they got to find players. They they got, See, that's the thing about, you know, you talk about Texas. Texas and Nebraska are similar but different. They're similar in that they're both somewhat iconic programs that have been in the doldrums uh, quite a bit the last 10, 15 years. Take your take your chunk of time. But Texas didn't stop having elite athletes. Texas had cultural issues. They had other issues. They had coaching issues. Nebraska just doesn't have players, and I don't know how that gets fixed. Um, but But they don't. You watch them, and it's like, man, oh, man, you would have thought Colorado was the more talented team. I think they are because Shador Sanders is a better quarterback. Travis Hunter is the best athlete on the field. They've got other receivers that are undersized but really hard to cover. Uh, They're they're not going to lose a quickness battle on offense. They might lose a size and strength battle, and they haven't really been tested in that regard. Uh, Eventually they will be, but Nebraska can't play smash mouth. Like if this was Tom Osborne, they would have just ran all over Colorado and won the game. But that's they're not equipped to do that. But yeah, I, I mean, everything that Colorado did, I think they did the best they possibly could in one short off season to make this a competitive team, a really good story that will continue to be competitive. I mean, you look at that schedule; like they should be Colorado State, Oregon. I'm not going to say that that's not a winnable game. I mean, they could compete against Oregon, Southern Cal. I don't know, um, but but no, they're they're going to have a chance to. They're not done yet. Like they're two and zero. They're going to win more games just based on on what I can see. And Shador Sanders, I mean, I've been impressed. Like I, you always get that knock when you're the the son of the coach. Okay, how much of this is legit versus how much is dad just taking his quarterback uh, along the way. No, I mean, you watch him play. There, He, he is absolutely legit. He can make the throws. Uh, he can make plays with his legs, but he doesn't rely on them. Uh, he, just, 
he doesn't make many mistakes. I mean, he's played nearly flawless football through two weeks, which I didn't see that coming either. So, yeah, it's, it's a terrific story and no question. Their, their staff, what they've been able to do, what they were able to compile was about as good as you could ask. I flip it over zero zero. Hats off to Nebraska defense playing their butt off early, stopping that team. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I flip it over, Mike. I hear Gus Johnson, and they're bringing in three tight ends and Dexter linemen and this power set. This is what they want to do. And it, it, this whole offense operates slower than molasses, slower than owl poop. Okay, it's the owl poop offense. The owl shat offense is what I call it. And uh, it's very methodical, which is fine. But if you – not not in modern college football, man. I'm just going to say, for a guy that was an assistant to an assistant for one year in the NFL, for a college coach in the NFL and Matt Rule, and this guy thinks he's Andy Reid, it's ridiculous. Uh, I feel sorry for Nebraska fans. So he's bringing in all these tight ends, right, and all these extra heavy on third and five, which is not really a – Power run down in distance, but it's he's doing it. So I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens. Sims gets in the shotgun. Sure enough, the motion man goes and hits the motion man in the ass, and the ball goes tumbling forward. That happened like, multiple I, times. I've seen this movie before, and you know why? It's not that Jeff Sims can't take a snap. I mean, he's, he's he didn't have the problem with Georgia Tech. It's because these players are confused. I saw it at South Carolina for two years. Mm-hmm. That, when players are confused, it looks like a dumpster fire. And it seems like certain people that coordinated that way for 10 games, and then the last two were they were mandated to simplify it, and they scored 94 points and beat a top five Tennessee and a top 10 Clemson. Seems like you'd learn your lesson. Mm-hmm. But oh no, oh no, oh no, you, you want to go multiple probably. It's even worse. So I feel sorry for Nebraska. Anyway, uh, karma. Number four. In Pullman, Washington, where you've got uh, that up there. I've been to that stadium before. It's Barton it's small, Stadium, baby. It's smaller. It's smaller, but uh, it's it's a nice little a nice little setup there. Yeah, it's about thirty two thousand. Um, mm-hmm. uh, out there in Easter, extreme eastern Washington, uh, right near the Idaho border. Um, okay, karma in two ways. Number one, Washington State knocks off Wisconsin, right? And look, I'm a Luke Fickle fan. I I understand why they did what they did. But I also am a firm believer that with a, if a program gets away from its DNA, especially a program that is not in – like like Texas could do anything they want. If Texas wanted to run the wishbone, nobody cares. Uh, if Alabama – you know, if Florida, one of the Florida schools, whatever they want to run on offense, although I do think, you know, spread is best for that. You know, Georgia can run whatever they want. Wisconsin – their equalizer all these years has been the ground and pound. It's worked for Alvarez, Belima, whatever. So Luke Fickle goes, I'm going to go hire Phil Longo. And so this team from the mighty Big Ten, right, the one that turns its nose up to Washington State, goes out and loses to WSU for the second straight year and uh, proceeds to have, what, 75 yards rushing? Karma. The karma was thick in Pullman on Saturday. Yeah, again, hats off to... Uh, Wazoo, and for those that are not watching and just listening, uh, every week I pick a stadium that's somewhat relevant to something that happened in college football. Last week was Wyoming, and this week I picked Martin Stadium, which uh, opened its doors in the 70s. And like you said, it's small, about 32,000. Uh, but there's a, I picked it because, and we had Ryan Leaf on, proud uh, Wazoo alum, 
part of our quarterback derby segment over the summer. That is a really proud fan base. It is a school with with tradition. They love their college football. And right now, Washington State and Oregon State, they are just in the abyss. And they there's lawsuits going on. The, the, the teams and the programs that are very defected are going to defect for greener pastures. They're trying to vote on what the Pac-12 does. So they're saying, well, wait a minute now. You don't get to... You don't get to bolt and kind of legislate what's happening. So uh, I thought it was a great story that went under the radar that Washington State beat Wisconsin. I, I thought no no knock on Wisconsin. You mentioned all the problems uh, and the, the somewhat curious move. I mean, the Phil Longo one, that was one of the huh? of moves of the offseason. It just it just didn't add up. But but more importantly, I'm, I'm happy for Washington State. Because I want to see Washington State. We got a big listener, uh, Tony. He's a big Oregon State fan and alum uh, who lives in Atlanta, but but spent four years in Corvallis. Like th- those are great fans, great program. They deserve better. So kudos to Washington State for winning that game. Absolutely, and uh, for Tom Tuttle from Tacoma. Uh, Tom Tuttle for, uh, played by the late John Candy in the '85 comedy. You love ball, that movie, Volunteers. It's why I stand up. That and the flag guy. Uh, Yeah, on game day. uh, The two reasons that I stand up for the Cougs, man, because the flag guy is epic. And that movie, when I was, you know, a kid watching it, they they get caught in like the Southeast Asian communist country, right? And so Candy gets kidnapped. Tom Tuttle from Tacoma, the Washington State homer, gets kidnapped by this, you know, revolutionary army and then they're coming to like fight a war in this military transport and they're singing the Washington State fight song. You were one fight, of 27 fight, people fight Washington State. that spent their hard-earned money on a ticket for that fine flick. Oh, that's great. Great. Tom, <laughs> young Tom Hanks, he, back when he, like, splash, splash fame. Uh, you know, anyway. there, was a, there was a rivalry back then, Tom Hanks, Michael Keaton. I've always been a huge Michael Keaton guy. But they were they were both former stand up comics. Then they turned like serious actors, and I put my money on Keaton. And Keaton's had a terrific career, but obviously Tom Hanks, you know, trumped it in the overall scheme. Two Oscars will, will do that. He got him. better parts. He did get better parts, I but mean, the, like the parts that Michael Keaton played, Tom Hanks couldn't do. Yeah. Tom Hanks could not do Billy Blaze in hmm. Night Shift, a very underrated movie. Uh, it wouldn't be as funny. Or Ray Kroc uh, from McDonald's. Could, definitely couldn't do Ray Kroc mm-hmm. of McDonald's. Keaton was awesome. Uh, the Founders, the name of that movie, was uh, yeah. absolutely awesome in that. He's awesome in Mr. Mom. He's, uh, uh, I do a whole thing on that, but I'll, I'll still take Keaton. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Never saw it, but I heard he was brilliant in it. There's a sequel coming out, brother. I know, Beetlejuice, I know. What other writers in it? Anyway. Number uh, five. The, all right, so speaking, just like... 1980s comedies. There's death in the ACC this year, my friend. Uh, yeah. It's not Huey. Remember, the, the most epic Mike Morgan line on the history of this podcast was, I'm just going to say this, Clemson is Huey Lewis, and the rest of the ACC is the news. The news. <laughs> well, brother, the news is. The news has of, a name now. Some we of those know news, the saxophone players. News guys are like getting solo careers and stuff. That's right. Because uh, 
and one of one of the games we have not touched on that, that I think is fascinating because I didn't expect this outcome either. As confident as I was that uh, Texas was going down in a blaze of glory in Tuscaloosa, I thought Miami was going to get slaughtered by A and M. Just because you kind of bought into the the Bobby Petrino thing, and Bobby did call a pretty good game, uh, but you think A and M would have an advantage on both lines of scrimmage on defense, but boy, Miami just kind of rose up and whipped them. Tyler Van Dyke, great point. They look. I'm not saying they look like the U of old, but they look like what you expect out of a Miami team with speed, beating team with speed, winning one on ones, playmaking ability, night and day better from last year where they were getting their butt kicked by Middle Tennessee State at home. Night and day from a team. Remember, I had their uh, their matchup with Virginia. Oh, that, they didn't score a touchdown in regulation. They they took three or four overtimes for them to win the game. The first the first two of which they didn't score. They went like six quarters or whatever without scoring a, a touchdown against Virginia, which was an awful team. Uh, Van Dyke didn't play in that game, but Van Dyke was bad last year. Then he got hurt, and there was talk about him being benched. Miami was a train wreck a year ago. Van Dyke now has turned it back on. Van Dyke is now playing like again an, an NFL draft pick. They've got not not surprisingly talent on the perimeter. Okay, there's no excuse for Miami not to have speed and talent on the perimeter, and they have it, and they showed it, and A and M couldn't guard it. Then offensively, uh, you know, Wigman was fine, but the the whole Petrino offense, it, they were not great. Um, look, I don't want to get into this. Every time A and M loses a game, we got to talk about Jimbo's buyout and eh, what is it up to seventy two million? No, it's seventy three point five, and um, it is what it is, uh, as they say. But but A and M is still they're just not there. They're just not they're not there. I, and I don't know if people thought all of a sudden Petrino alone was going to turn that around or what, but. And and all those five star recruits that are now a year older and no, it there's just they're good. They're not, they're not a terrible team. They're gonna win some games, but they're not in that upper tier of the SEC. And yeah, it's okay to lose at Miami in a half empty stadium, which Miami uh is prone to do. Because again, the biggest Miami fans have never been to the campus. Uh, they're terrific at bug control, though. I mean, they, I'm telling you what, if you need, you got a problem with palmetto bugs, there's there's right now 100 guys with big U tattoos on their deltoid. They'll go there and they'll spray those suckers dead. Uh, and then they'll tell you all about how it's all about the U. But uh, big win for the U and for A&M, yeah, uh, not so much. That That's a story that's going to continue. If, if, if Texas-Alabama didn't happen, I'm convinced the talk all yesterday, today, on Feinbaum and everything else would be all about uh, the Aggies and Jimbo. But when Alabama loses a game at home in convincing fashion, that steals the headlines for the SEC, and it and it has. But make no mistake, A&M people and boosters, they saw what happened uh, in Coral Gables. Well, it's not really in Coral Gables because, again, that stadium – it's a, it's a really expensive Uber ride to go from Miami's campus to where the Dolphins play. But uh, in, in Palm Beach uh, – not Palm Beach Guards. Uh, Opalaka. It's, it's Opalaka. No, really? It's Opalaka, yeah. I don't think that's, that's the actual address. street address. 
Seriously. I'm pretty sure either that or Miami Gardens, maybe? It's Miami Gardens. Miami That's Gardens. what I mean. I'm, I was about the, to say. I know the Opelika Airport's right near there, the executive airport. My brother's a pilot, so. There we, well, so, he would know. He would know for sure. Uh, anyway, yeah, to, to your bigger point and the final to cap off the JC5, the ACC, you talk about the North Carolina win over South Carolina. You talk about the Florida State win over LSU. Now you've got the Miami win over A&M. Uh, the Wake Forest win Wake over Vanderbilt. That, that game was not that competitive on the scoreboard. Maybe. No, not at all. Not at all. And then and then Duke did it to one of their own, but Duke beats up Clemson, and and that just says, well, the bottom of the ACC is pretty darn good. I think Louisville's been impressive through two Louisville's games. Better. Well, they got their yeah. coach now. I mean, yeah, that's, that's their guy. That's their guy. That's going to make all the sense in the world. So, I mean, Syracuse is still going to be Syracuse, and Dino Babers will probably be fired at the end of the year. But every every conference has a bottom feeder. Uh, but you're right. Your bigger point, they've got some depth this year. The ACC definitely has some depth this season. The Virginia schools may be the two worst. Isn't that crazy? That's just crazy. I, I, I mean – Virginia used to be – it was like death taxes and Virginia's going to win seven games, uh, which is not terrible. And then Virginia Tech, not that long ago under Frank Beamer, was a true national championship contender. And to watch those schools now just languish, it's 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 hard to watch. It's hard to believe that uh, they have fallen that far from grace. All right, in, incredible, epic installment of the JC5. I feel like morale has been boosted across – a great nation and beyond. We will continue to uh, raise spirits on the other side of this timeout. We'll go talk about the rest of the SEC, go around the SEC, also the boss coming up later as well. It is J.C. and Morgan presented by Chicken Cock, originated in Paris, Kentucky. Find Chicken Cock near you on the Chief Sports app in the Chicken Cock Challenge section on the home screen, one of the fastest-growing bourbons in the U.S. If you're like me, you love some bourbon. Smooth, little-to-no aftertaste or bite. Serving J.C. and Morgan, get your chicken cock today. Serve your game day with chicken cock, proudly made in Kentucky, but South Carolina owned. Quick break. Stay tuned. More J.C. and Morgan coming up. This is for our Atlanta listeners. If you're looking for the very best amenities in your gym, Lifetime Fitness is a cut above the rest. From expansive fitness floors to pickleball courts, indoor and outdoor pools, live spa and cafe, Lifetime Fitness has it all. Seven locations in Atlanta, including Sandy Springs and Buckhead. Mention you heard this ad, and they'll go to work with you on a great rate for a shared co-working space, complete with conference rooms, quiet phone booths, and full kitchen. This includes access and membership to all the athletic country clubs as well. For more information, call 404-446-9475 or visit lifetime.life. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down to Ohio, down to Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. 
Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time. The roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration, don't settle for second best. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. Back with you on J.C. and Morgan. He is J.C. Sherbert. I am Mike Morgan. It's another installment of J.C. And Morgan, J.C. 5 is in the books. We get now to around the SEC. By the way, I, I, I should mention this, J.C. and I, we haven't, we haven't talked uh, pre-show, if you will. We kind of exchange messages on, on some of the things we're going to go over formatically. For those that want, like, a hot take on the Mel Tucker situation, I don't have one for you. Um, like many of you, I have read the transcripts online, uh, the he said, she said aspect of it. There's a lot of things in play here, and I don't feel strong enough uh, in the facts to give you a hard line opinion on one way or another who's telling the truth. <clears throat> um, I will say this. There has been a trend in big-time college football and college basketball where the buyouts are insanely high, okay? Tucker signed that ridiculous contract. Nobody really knows why, but they gave him, based on, on one good season in East Lansing with an NFL running back, Kenneth Walker, that ran over everybody, they gave him like a 90-year, excuse me, a $90 million deal his buyout, after going 5-7 and seven last year, 
is like $77 million, okay? Now, that's unusual even in a day and age of uh, exorbitant buyouts. But the trend has been, and we have seen this. We saw it with Jeremy Pruitt of Tennessee. We've seen it with If you can fire someone with cause, you don't have to pay that buyout. So I think there could be a little bit of buyer's remorse here. I think there could be a lot of people that are like, are we really getting our money's worth with Mel Tucker? And if they can somehow turn this into with cause, then then that's going to be done lickety split. Uh, that's my only feel for this whole I, – I can't tell you what Mel Tech, Tucker has actually done or not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Mel Tucker's a, a, a good person, bad person. And the female involved, I've, I've read her story. I'm not going to give you a strong take on that either. I will tell you, the, tell you what I do feel about Mel Tucker, the coach. I don't think he's a very good football coach. I don't think he was ever justify, justified that kind of contract based on what he did at Colorado, based on what he did uh, at Michigan State, and even going back to when he was a coordinator at Georgia. It, it was the, the makings of one incredible I'll use the term. I don't mean this uh, disparagingly. You've heard me use it before, JC. They have a sugar daddy. They have an alum who now owns the Phoenix Suns who's got gobs and gobs of money, who's a Michigan State alum and was on the basketball team. He made his money in, I don't know if it was real estate or hedge fund, whatever. He's a billionaire. And to him, maybe that wasn't a lot of money. Uh, But now all of a sudden, I think – when this all, when the dust settles on this, if he can be fired with cause, uh, do not be surprised if that happens. For the time being, it is a suspension. And actually, Brett McMurphy, who does a good job, he reported flat out fired, and then then you had a couple of national uh, reporters get into a pissing contest as to who was right. Time will tell if Brett was actually right or not. Uh, but that is the story right now, and there, there's just not much more I can add to it. Me neither. Uh, we'll, we'll see kind of what happens. I think at that particular institution, just like at other institutions, you, you know, there's just certain things that are magnified and because of what they went through with Dr. Nasser, the gymnast, uh, rapist guy mm-hmm. that got away with it for years and all this other stuff. That's a very specific thing to Michigan State. It's not an indictment of college athletics. It's not the indictment of, of males. You know, some columnist uh, jumped the gun and, you know, all that good stuff uh, about Mel Tucker. It's just because Michigan State has a strong zero tolerance policy for anything like that. And and, and they should. And they should. I mean, when an institution goes through something like that, you, you don't want the same types of things, even if it's just kind of a little bit there close. Uh, you don't want any kind of narrative like that at Michigan State. So that's A. B, I'm with you. I don't know who to believe. I don't know what to think. I'm familiar with Brenda Tracy's work. I've always thought, you know, she's very courageous in, in sharing her story. Um, I don't I like you. I don't agree that Mel Tucker, I started calling him five win Mel last year. Like six lost Jimbo, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think he was worth quite that much. Uh, you know, he had a really good first year where 
He had a lot of good transfers, including one that's, uh, I think, the starting running back from the Denver Broncos now that somehow he got from, took from Wake Forest. And somehow they found this kid in the state of Tennessee where they got him. He's from Tennessee. And if you're the Vols, you're sitting there sick when you're watching that, right? Or Vanderbilt. But, um, you know, lightning in a bottle that one year, uh, not very good last year at all. Starting quarterback left. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I think that was too much to pay him. But I, I'm not going to sit here and say the man is guilty of something when I don't have the proof. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and um, jump the gun like a lot of people do, including the governor of Michigan, and condemn the guy before the facts come out. Uh, I was just going to say this. Uh, if he did it, he needs to be fired based on being that stupid uh, and not realizing you know, that kind of stuff at Michigan State is not going to fly, you know, at all. Uh, and it's not going to fly anywhere these days. But, you know, th- that's stupid to get yourself in that situation. So you deserve to be fired. And um, But then number two, if uh, if he's innocent, I think a lot of people owe him an apology. Nancy Armour from USA Today won. Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, too. Uh, and a lot of other people that are. Uh, with a Twitter handle these days and a a, a spot behind a keyboard or a microphone that tend to condemn people in the court of public opinion before they're condemned uh, as far as the justice system or some sort of uh, legal investigation determines. Uh, I could go out there tomorrow and start accusing people of things and put it in public. Uh, Someone could accuse me of something. Uh, You know, nobody deserves to be condemned uh, before the facts all come out. Now, is it shady how they handled it at Michigan State to a certain extent because it's been investigated since December? You can say that. And, and institutionally, whoever made that call not to talk about it or, or tried to cover it up or keep it quiet needs to be fired. Because, again, that institution cannot afford scandals of this nature at all. You, I mean, you just can't. It, it would be like if another if another Dame player made up a girlfriend again. You know, you don't want yeah. to go through that again. Well, yeah, the, I mean, the term know. zero tolerance comes to mind. Yeah, and, zero and tolerance. That's, that, that's what comes to mind to me. And if you're if you're the football coach at that school, based on what's happened recently, you got to think zero tolerance. Keep it like, in your pants, sir. Just, yeah, I, and look, I know some people are like, you know, he's married too. I, I I don't get into that. I just don't get into people's personal no. stuff. Um, but. What's what the university is more concerned about is the charges at hand, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll see how that plays out. In and uh, I can't even imagine how distracting that must be for the players as all that is going on. And, and Mark D'Antonio's back too, by the way. I saw that, and boy, do they miss. I mean, that dude was a hell of a football coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, Michigan State. There was a time Michigan State had it rolling pretty, pretty damn good, and now we're we're at the Ohio State, hey. Michigan, dominating the the, the world. Penn State, the Big Ten. We yeah, Penn, and we got an email about Penn State from uh, Big Ten. Justin, we'll get to later. That uh, actually poses a, a question about the hierarchy of that league. All right, let's go around the SEC. We'll do it quickly here because we're running a little bit late. SEC's final record in Week Two. If you looked at it and you said, "Hey, the SEC went ten and three, well, that's not bad." Shoot, I mean that's that's not bad at all. But then you take a, a closer look. Ten, in Tennessee, I realize a lot of people didn't watch these games, so let me let me get you up to speed. Tennessee struggled to create any consistency against Austin P. 
They took their first lead with 15 seconds remaining in the first half. Arkansas, in their game against Kent State, led 7-6 to six with two minutes remaining in the first half. I realize it's a four-quarter game, four-quarter game. Middle Tennessee had a fourth-quarter drive to win the game against Missouri. They, they had a uh, pass fall incomplete on fourth down. Missouri's 2-0, and but it hasn't exactly been an impressive 2-0. and Kentucky, it, Liam Cohen um, has not been the answer, and uh, you, fans can't blame Will Levis for what's going on in Lexington right now. The offense hadn't been good. Kentucky didn't take its first lead against Eastern Kentucky, EKU, until nearly 40 minutes into the game. That's with Liam Cohen back, who, by the way, had to go to the hospital after the game. Hopefully he is okay. Uh, Across the 13 games, if you go by point spreads, the SEC underperformed the line by 116 points, nearly nine points per matchup. The league was 3-9-1 against the spread, with the two wins coming against FCS opponents. Uh, Georgia did shake off another slow start for pulling away against Ball State. For those that are down on Georgia, I'm not there. Uh, Georgia is still, uh, for my money, at the time, the, the best team in college football and, and are still awfully stout. But, yeah, there, were, there was a time there where some of these games were, were hanging in the balance and you already had uh, the, the matchups last week and then you had A&M getting blown out on the road against Miami and then, of course, late that night, Texas beating Alabama. This is like a Danny Cannell fantasy. I, I didn't check Danny Cannell's Joel Twitter Klatt. feed. Oh, my. Yeah, Joel Klatt. Joel I mean, Klatt and Danny Cannell are, like, loving it. Oh, I know. You you know, and Joel won't admit that, but you know those guys were just like, oh, man, this is great. I told you the SEC is not that good. Look, the SEC, as we talked about at the top, is probably not as stacked as it normally is. However, Georgia is still elite. And LSU uh, and Alabama, no one wants to play either one of those teams. LSU and Alabama are still damn good teams. They just have losses against quality opponents. Now, the rest of the league, time will tell. I I, I, want to see what Tennessee does against Florida. I want to see somebody else step it up. But, yeah, the middle is not great. I, I, I didn't think it would be, quite honestly, coming in. I felt really good about three teams, Georgia, LSU, and Bama. I still feel good about those three teams. Uh, and I still think they're, they're all going to win a lot of games. But if you want to judge it from the bottom up as opposed to the top down, then, yeah, there's things you can pick at. If you are an SEC hater, then you've had a fun two weeks. There's no doubt about it. Oh yeah, even down to like Georgia not getting out to a great start. But I, how excited? I mean, you just won two straight national titles. How excited are you really to play Tennessee, Martin, and Ball State? Not at all. If you're a fan, not at all. Uh, players like to get out and play. Oh, sure. Uh, or, or is Mike Bobo going to dial up his best game? Well, you hit on it, JC. Um, yeah, you you hit on the key point on the Oklahoma game that was and why it is not. That is a money deal. That that how that game disappeared off the schedule is a money deal. It's not that all of a sudden they were afraid to play Oklahoma. Yeah, you with that? Me? Yeah, they did yeah. not. Uh, they they did not. It was about the return game because That's right. 
you, you know, you have these buy games where the FCS or group of five going rates like 1.8 million or whatever, but there's still money that exchanges hands when you do a home and home with another power five. That's right. And they couldn't make it whole again. Uh, and so they just kind of said, ah, well, we'll just can't shoot. We'll just cancel the whole thing. Um, cause people ask, well, why, why, why did Texas and Bama play? Well, cause that's part two of a home and home. That's right. Uh, uh, Oklahoma was not going to do a return game in Athens uh, in the non-conference, uh, and thus the money wasn't going to be right. And so, and Georgia's got uh, big time out of conference games coming up. A ton. I, I, I mean, and their their reputation has not been to just feast on a week out of conference schedule. If you look mm-hmm. at Georgia's history under Kirby, or even going back to Mark Richt, uh, they don't have to apologize for their non-con. So, yeah, it's it, it's been a kind of a yawn fest. First two weeks for Georgia football, uh, and and they will start getting into meteor games, and we'll figure out what they're all about. But because they because they haven't played anybody, I think people are forgetting just how good Georgia is. A little bit, they'll be reminded uh, when they start playing more intriguing games. Uh, yeah, I'm never going to talk smack about Georgia and in their schedule this year, man. Because look, uh, so they had a game with Texas scheduled next year. Uh, but it's it's going to be a league game now. Uh, so next year they play Clemson and Georgia Tech in the out of conference. Play Georgia Tech every year. Uh, twenty five and twenty six home and home with UCLA. Uh, twenty six and twenty seven home and home with Louisville. You know tw- twenty eight. Florida State comes to Athens. Twenty nine they go to Clemson. Thirty Clemson and Ohio State and Georgia. Here's here's Georgia's non conference right now in twenty thirty. Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia Tech. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and North Carolina A&T. And keep basically. in mind, we might have a nine-game conference schedule by then. Yeah, look, man, don't yeah, – nobody needs to be jumping on. It's not like Georgia intentionally said, oh, all right, we're going to – we're going to – we're going to take the Kentucky way out uh, and, and try to pretend like our mediocre ACC rivals really good. Uh, which, by the way, Louisville may be really good again now, but uh, and, and play uh, three week sisters of the poor. They didn't do that, and, and I, I don't. Anybody out there, and you get this ignorance from Big Ten land too, because they can't bother to look up who they're playing in the future or anything like that. It's like, oh, Georgia, look at their schedule. Yeah, I don't blame them. I do think they look a little disinterested. Sometimes that catches up with teams where they play a stiffer bunch of competition. So. Uh, you know, we'll see what South Carolina could get done with them this weekend. I kind of think the Gamecocks are probably going to throw it 60 times and and pray. Uh, but uh, it's uh, you know we'll see we'll see if that happens. But uh, I I think any kind of criticism of Georgia the first two weeks is a little bit unfounded because I I just don't know how you know what are they supposed to do? They won by 41 and 42. I mean, they took care mm-hmm. of business. By the way, you mentioned the Georgia-South Carolina game. You've got Tennessee-Florida we talked about. LSU-Mississippi State, I think that's kind of intriguing. Arkansas-BYU. So you're going to start learning more and more about what some of these teams have to offer uh, in the Southeastern Conference as we get into the nitty-gritty of the season. All right, time out here. We'll come back tell you who's the boss. Who are some of the best performers over the week? Down here in the South... We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, 
are crafted by Southern hands and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Gypsy Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, TitanCGInc.com. That's TitanCGInc.com. Get in touch with Brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients. That's Titan Construction Group, a proud sponsor of the JC and Morgan podcast. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time the roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. All right, back with you here on J.C. and Morgan again from the Elite Roofing and Restoration Studios. For all your roofing needs, give Jeremy Johnson and company a call. You'll see that number at the bottom of your screen, I promise. It'll be crawling. It'll be moving slowly, succinctly, but well. 678-781-1998, serving Georgia, the Carolinas, Florida, and parts of Tennessee. The godfather of soul, James Brown. He's still serving. Still serving all over the place. This is the boss, the best performers from the week that was in college football week two. We talked about the 48-33 win for Miami against Texas A&M at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. Hurricane quarterback Tyler Van Dyke, 375 yards, five touchdowns. I tell you, Tyler Van Dyke's stock plummeted last year. It just it fell off the map. He was considered a Heisman Trophy candidate, and then injuries, poor performances, uh, concerns that he'd lose his starting job. It all happened, and then all of a sudden now he's looking like, well, a really good quarterback again. Tyler Van Dyke, the boss for the Canes. Uh, I have a feeling this name is going to be out there a lot. I know, J.C., you're as high on Notre Dame as anybody out there. Uh, Sam Hartman, 286, four touchdowns amid uh, less than ideal conditions in Raleigh and a victory over NC State. Uh, Hartman is just the glue. I I mean, Notre Dame's always going to have athletes on the line of scrimmage, but he is just the glue for that offense that continues to play well in South Bend and beyond. How about 
are Marion Hampton. Now, you know who Drake May is for the Tar Heels. I don't think they're ever going to schedule App State again. As Mac Brown had the quote of the, uh, the week after the game, he said, I think it's great when North Carolina schools give Appalachian State a chance, and it makes for great, great for college football in the state of North Carolina. And I look forward to NC State and Duke playing them, and not us. Uh, they have struggled, but they pulled another one out against the Mountaineers. And Omarion Hampton ran the ball 26 times, 234 yards, and three touchdowns. Ewers, uh, sorry, I'm jumping around here. Number four, Quinn Ewers, unbelievable during his start in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, completing 24 of 38 for 349 yards and three touchdowns. He completed passes to eight different receivers. He produced three different pass catchers with at least 75 yards. The output was the best regular season performance of Ewers' young career. It's only the fifth win over an AP top five opponent for Texas since 2000. Think about that. In 24 years, Texas has only beaten five top five opponents. And you can make the argument that one was as good as any on the road at Bama on a Saturday night. And I mentioned the other guys. Jatavion Sanders made a lot of money to tight end. Devondre Sweat, they couldn't block him. Defensive tackle for the Longhorns. They were better on the line of scrimmage. Don't often say that about an Alabama opponent. Uh, number four, who's the boss? Jimmy Sexton. That's who's the boss. Because he's the one that represents 11 out of 14 SEC schools, and he's the one that negotiated the Jimbo Fisher contract whose buyout remains more than $76 million. That's all I'm going to say on it. Again, we're not going to focus on each and every week, but that's what the number is. Uh, and he's got some other exorbitant ones out there for coaches that might be on the hot seat before too long. How about this one, JC? Do you remember JT Daniels when he was the quarterback at Georgia and expected oh, to be the guy? I'm glad you mentioned this. You know where he is now? Rice University. Rice! And they had a huge, huge win over in-town in rival of the Cougs, the Houston Cougars. Yes. Uh, they, were, they were blowing them out. Houston had to rally to force overtime, and then Rice still won the game. Listen to the numbers on JT Daniels. 28 for 42, 401 yards, three touchdowns. By the way, you know one of his top uh, weapons is Luke McCaffrey, the brother of Christian McCaffrey. Had a big touchdown reception in that game as well. Uh, And I mentioned this before, but again, it was awfully cool to see Washington State in front of a a good home crowd lay a thumping on Wisconsin 31-22. Not hating on the Badgers. I just think uh, the Cougars, the Beavers deserve a better fate. Cougars now are 2-0, and yes, they have inserted themselves into the Pac-12 title race. So congratulations to Wazoo. And that is your week two installment of The The Boss. Yeah, I love that Rice result. I thought that was, you know, kind of funny. Houston's in the Big 12 now, and they're getting, uh, they're not doing so swift. That is. play hasn't started yet. I've been to Rice to call a game. Oh, that is one of the most difficult jobs. We've talked about New Mexico State. Rice is a really, really good academic school, a very small enrollment, very expensive school. Uh, but, but they don't have like what SMU does. SMU can say, at least say, hey, we, we were pretty damn good back in the 80s. Um, 
I don't know the last time Rice was really damn good. Todd Graham did had a good year there, I think. Yeah. The pro, of course, he left promptly. Uh, I think Ken Hatfield won some games there, maybe, because right. he went there yeah, after good Clemson. Uh, other than that, man, it's been it's been brutal. Uh, it's been and they got a big they got a they were one of these schools that built a big old stadium back in the day. So it's like yeah. it's like Stanford Stadium. Stan- yeah, Stanford used to have an eighty five thousand seat stadium, and I happened to go to Palo Alto for a camp one time before they remodeled it and cut it in half and made it nice. It's just this big old like wooden bleacher like erector set looking. You're like, oh man! And this was like 2005, and I'm like, this thing is. I'm scared to sit up here. You know, they have earthquakes out here, so I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking I'm gonna be like in a pile of wood kindling. You know, uh, and this thing shakes to death. So uh, it's good for that. And uh, I did want to mention this. I got an email while you were talking, mm-hmm. uh, doing the boss here. Um, and you mentioned Jimmy Sexton from uh, Josh Barton of sportsbetting.ag. First odds on first NCAA coach to get fired this okay. year. This should so be I'll, 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 give, I'll give you Jimbo Fisher, number one, four to one odds. Wow. Champions of life, number two, five to one odds, a lot tied with Danny Gonzalez of New Mexico and Tony Elliott of Virginia. <laughs> Neil Brown for West Virginia, six to one. Tom Allen from Indiana, man, he was a hot commodity a few years ago. Seven to one. Jeff Halfley, who's at Boston College during the pandemic year, was good. Nine to one. The aforementioned Dino Babers at ten to one, along with Justin Wilcox from California. It rounds it out with Dana Holgerson from Houston, twelve to one, uh, and then Brent Venables. I don't know why Brent Venables is on there. Eli Drinkwitz at sixteen to one, and then Ryan Silverfield of Memphis. Is twenty to one. So that's uh, those are the the Vegas odds on who is the uh, who who's the first coach to get fired. Jimbo, the seventy seven million dollar man, uh, six lost, four or five lost. Jimbo, he's uh, he's leading the way. You know what I like to say? There's big time money, and then there's oil money. If there's anybody that can find the pockets deep enough. To pay that, it's them. And by the way, this was a late addition to the boss. Remember last week I said the SMU boosters are the boss because they basically brokered a deal with the ACC. They said, we don't need your stinking TV money. We got this. We'll pay our – you don't have to give us a dime for like nine years. Well, the the guy specifically – I mean, there's more than one. But there is a, a, a gentleman for SMU named David Miller, and he was the point person that really got this done. Okay, he again, he, oil money guy, SMU alum, oil money guy. But he basically said, I will, I will front a whole lot of that money that we would have gotten if it was a true equitable TV disbursement like the other ACC schools are getting. He said, no, 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 we don't want your money. I got it. Get us in. That's how it got done. Without him, SMU is also in the abyss. They're not in the ACC. Even with Dallas and even with – it came down to money like so many of these things do. Uh, and that was that was the, uh, the difference maker in that. So he is the boss as well as anybody else that can afford to just pay a big buyout, which might be happening soon for some of these coaches across the country. All right, time to get to the mailbag. 
The mailbag from Justin in Atlanta. Uh, is it fair to say Penn State is the biggest threat to Michigan's Big Ten dominance instead of Ohio State, also with Bama's loss showing questionable quarterback and secondary play? Who's the biggest threat to Georgia in the SEC? Lastly, ESPN College Football tweeted out that this is the first time since September of 2017 that each of the Power Five conferences are represented in the AP Top Five. I did not know that. Good pull, Justin. Do you all think we're headed for a classic, unpredictable NFL parody-like season, or we, or will we end up with two from one of the Power Two, SEC Big Ten again in the playoff? Uh, okay, a lot to unpack here. I, Penn State, from a talent perspective, could certainly lay claim to being number two, but I got to see it first. I got to see it, Jason. I, I got to see them get over that hump before I go there. Um, so I'm still going Michigan one, Ohio State two. In the meantime, Bama, are they? Who's the biggest threat to Georgia? Why? Well, I, I said at the beginning I thought it was LSU. I'm going to stay with that, even though they had the disappointing loss to Florida State. I've got more faith in Jaden Daniels than I have in Jalen Milrow. Sometimes it comes down to just that simple of a factor. And um, in terms of could we have – I mean, this could be the most intriguing playoff that we've had. Yeah, if, if we had four from four – from basically we're down to the power four. We need to stop saying power five. Could we have one from each? One ACC, one Big Ten, one Big 12, one SEC. Uh, I, I certainly think that's entirely – I think it's the best chance we've had of that happening for a while. Um, at the beginning of the year, I certainly would have put my money on two from the SEC and maybe two from the Big Ten, but I'm not so sure now. I think Texas, Florida State, certainly one of those, you would think, at least, is going to find their way into the playoff. Notre Dame, if Notre Dame, and Notre wins, Dame, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they'll earn it because I mean, they got you got Ohio State, Southern Cal, Clemson, at Louisville, at Duke, which are tougher than that sounds, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, I'll, I'll remind these folks that are caught in this world where it's always the Big Ten and SEC that that's not really the case. Uh, nine championship games, only twice has a Big Ten team gotten to the championship game. Ohio State both times. They won it in 14, lost it in 20. Other than that, it's been mostly ACC-SEC, Mike, or SEC-SEC. And then last year we had the, the first Big 12 signing. Uh, and we had a Pac-12. Oregon, of course, made the first one. So, you know, I, I know the Big Ten has the most money. Uh, I know the Big Ten has a lot of name brand schools and a lot of fans. But I don't know if they always play the best football, Mike. Especially when it comes to playoff time. Uh, they, what the Big Ten really needs is Penn State to, to actually come through this year. That'd be really interesting, I think. You know, that, James Franklin's kind of been simmering on one, right? You know? Yeah. Now that, that would be good for the – that's a classic. Like, it might be bad for whichever Big Ten team they knock off, but it'd be good for the league as a whole. It's like when LSU won it in 2019 for the SEC, right. I, I thought, you know. Yeah, no, no question. Because you, you, if you start living in a, in a two-planet universe – then sometimes that's more of an indictment on the depth of your league than it is kudos to the two teams that keep winning it every year, competing for it every year. Uh, from Tim, Tim, uh, Tennessee Tim here. With Bama getting smoked by A&M and looking average again, is there a chance Tennessee is the number two team in the SEC with a chance to be number one with a win against the Puppies in Knoxville in November? 
Tim, uh, I will have a much better answer for that question after I see what they do against Florida. And I don't mean just win the game. I don't mean just eke it out. Like, you should go in there and have a convincing win if you're as good. If Tennessee football is truly back, because we know Florida's not there yet, Tennessee should be able to go in there and win that game convincingly. And Joe Milton should show us all, make believers out of us all, that he can't just throw the ball 85 yards, but he could also complete it 15 yards on third and seven, 20 yards on second and 11. He can make all the throws and be accurate and not just throw a 98-mile-an-hour blistering fastball, throw it over the plate on everything else. Then we can he- we can safely say that that would be the case. Uh, finally, yep, go ahead. No, this next three weeks to me, not just the Florida game, I think uh, uh, UT San Antonio and South Carolina, uh, that'll give us a nice five-game uh, sample size for the Vols. Uh, that, that Austin P result worried me a little bit as far as they're concerned. I mean, it's just uh, Austin P's not all that great. Um, Will Healy is not walking through that door, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. And then, you know, UT San Antonio's got a good they're, – they're a good team. Um, and then the Gamecocks did what they did last year to Tennessee and – uh, since 2010, that series goes three, 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 three. So uh, we'll see. And then A&M comes in uh, after South Carolina and then Alabama. So we'll find out about the Vols soon enough. Finally, Tony from Kentucky. Uh, I know it's early, but some of you are – some are saying, not you. Some are saying this will be a down year for the SEC. The ACC is 4-1 and one against the SEC so far. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are Danny Cannell and Joel Klatt are happy people. Um, my thoughts are kudos to the ACC and kudos to, uh, um, who was the other, uh, conference that had the big, uh, the, the pack. Yeah. I mean, you know, kudos to everybody who's had a win against the SEC. Kudos. I, 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 I think again, the middle of the SEC is suspect this year. Uh, I, I'm not going to say the top is down. I'm not going to bury Alabama, although even a lot of Alabama fans are so angry and full of you-know-what and vinegar that they want to bury their own team today and this week. Uh, I'm not down on LSU, and I'm certainly not down on Georgia. Teams 4 through 14, there's a lot to, there's a lot to be uh, – there's a lot of meat left on the bone, let's say that, to see who's actually good and who's mediocre. Uh, we, we, we could call this a, a, a volcano year, like you like to say there's volcano mm-hmm. programs, or a renaissance year, if you will. Uh, what if the final four ends up being Tennessee, Florida State, Notre Dame, and Texas? Now, now you got something. Yeah, if, look, if Tennessee, uh, and they got that game at home, if, if, ten, if, if Joe Milton balls and they – you know, they they believe they've got the receivers to replace the two they lost to the NFL. They believe their offensive the running backs are good. The offensive line's good enough. Um, defense is better. It couldn't be worse. Uh, if, if all that happens, again, that would be one of those things, JC, where quite honestly, it would be good for the league. If it, I mean, because <laughs> at some point, somebody other than Alabama, Georgia, and LSU have to be in this conversation, and they haven't been for a while. I thought A&M would – man, I, I maybe – You're not alone. There's a lot of people that thought that. You know, I, I took the bait 
Now, now I, honestly, to my credit, last year I was I told everybody I was like, yeah, they're probably a year away, guys. Uh, but next year is here, and still, oh god. I mean, they held Miami. Miami could hardly cross the fifty against them last year. Right. And then they go and get skunked like that. Versus. And they and and their problem is not quarterback, as best I can tell. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of other things, but it's not. He's good. Oh, Connor's he's good. Pre- yeah, he's good. I mean, he there's a lot of programs that could win for Connor Wegman. So sometimes the 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 excuse is you can have everything right, but you don't have a signal caller and you can be doomed. That's not the excuse. They've got a quality quarterback, and they still got smoked. That is concerning. And Evan that is, Stewart, it was Evan Stewart, the receiver. He's special. Twelve catches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, uh, we are out of time. Right on time. Ooh. Man. Again, check out the website, jcandmorgan.com. Keep the mail uh, coming on the mailbag tab. As always, appreciate our uh, fine sponsors, including Elite Roofing and Restoration. Give them a call if you need some work done on your roof. Uh, JC, what else can you tell the fine folks about this fine yeah. podcast, installment number 211? Absolutely. You can uh, catch us live on the live stream. Don't forget to download the Chief Sports app. That is, we are part of that and uh, the ever-growing Chief yes. Sports app. More that, to come uh, on that. More to come pretty soon on that one. Uh, sorry for not getting to the five and dimer. In season, that gets a little difficult, but we did talk movies yeah. today. So I <laughs> uh, just want to let you guys know that. We, we, we did we did mention it. People uh, miss the five and dime even in the middle of the season. They want us to break I, I, out some movie talk. Man, I do too. I love it. But, uh, look, uh, we'll, we'll get you something. I, I know – I'm in the middle of watching one of the worst movies ever. It's another Roland Emmerich film, like a disaster, called Moonfall. Never heard of it. Oh, gee, this is like the same person that did Independence Day, Day After Tomorrow, 2012, all that. Uh, it's, apocalyptic, it's supposed to be apocalyptic. Same same premise as Independence Day, right? And I love Independence Day. It's a guilty pleasure. But it, this thing, it has Halle Berry and Donald Sutherland is in it. And, and, and the whole thing is a mysterious force is forcing the moon off of its gravitational uh, orbit, you, and it's about to crash. It. Yeah, dude, it's awful. You already lost me. I, I, I feel, just watch Jaws again. I feel bad for Donald Sutherland and Halle Berry because they're they're talented, you know. They got paid. They're in they this kind of movie. I'm like, boy, what a cash that check, man. That's that's a Jimmy Sexton type of movie. <laughs> so, the buyout was good, even if the movie flops. Dude, Jimmy I Sexton couldn't got the buyout. I couldn't believe it. I was like, God damn, there's uh, dang, there's Donald Sutherland, man. You know, so anyway. Was, yeah, he's a terrific. The last movie I saw was Oppenheimer. It was terrific. I actually saw that in the theater. And I'll say this: I'm finishing up Dope Sick after I watched Painkiller, both of which are about. Uh, the the opioid epidemic, more specifically the oxycotton epidemic, they're both uh, powerful, and I'm I realized how ignorant I was of just how big a problem that is because we've all taken painkillers. I, I've never taken oxy, and I I don't really have an addictive personality, but man, oh man, I'd be scared to death after watching those two docs, which are really well done uh, on the dangers of that. I don't mean to sound like a PSA. But holy smokes, that ruined a lot of lives. I took an Oxycontin one time, and I've never taken one again. You on Oxy would make for one hell of a podcast, but I don't think we should go there. No. 
I, I don't think I don't think that. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, the, the, the other the other Tommy Boy Black Sheep. Yeah. Where he and David Spade are like Ruads, because they yeah. the nitrous oxide leaks in the car. Uh-huh. They're like all stoned. Anyway, that'd be kind of funny. Or or the uh, DiCaprio, uh, Jonah Hill in Wolf on Wall Street. Oh my god! Taking the um, <laughs> ah, my lord! Apparently, they couldn't walk. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> driving. He's driving a friggin' Lamborghini on Quaaludes <laughs> and running over everything. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, we'll bring back the Frank the Tank, JC, one of these podcasts, one of these shows. But in the meantime, <laughs> we're doing this clean and sober as per usual. Thanks again for everybody tuning in. We'll see you next week for JC and our producer, Mad Dog Phil, doing outstanding work as always. This is Mike saying so long. See you next time.